forward here. Sound check. Four, three, two, one. And we are live. Welcome to the King's Crowd podcast, where we dive into new private markets that are making it possible for anyone to invest in early stage startups. Joining me is King's Crowd founder and CEO, Chris Lestrino. Chris, my man, how's it going? Hey, great to be here. Thanks for having me, Sean. You bet. Uh, how's the West Coast? I'm out here in Washington, D.C. Uh, for our listeners that don't know, you moved King's Crowd HQ out to San Francisco. When did you do it? it was uh... And I think that was back in, uh, in June of 2019, I believe. I came out out here. Um, yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a fun ride. We have kind of a, a sunny and 60s kind of day out here in the Bay Area, so I can't complain. We, uh, we got our first flurries the other day, and I was like, man, I know why he moved. I just <laughs> <laughs> it was all a ruse to get to warmer weather. When you were up there in Boston, man, like, what's worse, Boston or Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> or Milwaukee, I don't want to leave those guys up. But anyway, um, so first off, I do want to let our listeners know, since this is our first podcast, um, that if they want to check out King's Crowd more or learn more, they should go to kingscrowd.com. I'm only going to spell this once. I'm never doing that again. Yeah, but uh, K-I-N, King, S, Crowd, C-R-O-W-D.com. All one word, all lowercase. Or check us out on Twitter at King's Crowd Tech. And uh, we are the market's first and only startup rating platform. Aren't we, Chris? Like, if you That's run into right. people in an elevator... What do you say? You hand me your business card, which by the way, you've always really good business cards. Thank you for that. Well, I uh, wish I was riding on elevators these days, but touche. I guess. Are you taking stairs because uh, of COVID? <laughs> if I was going to be on an elevator and I was going to tell someone, uh, if they know stocks, I'd say we're kind of like Morningstar slash Bloomberg rating analytics platform. Uh, if they don't know stocks, they try and come up with something that kind of, you know, gleans to the idea of ratings. It's like, you know, Yelp for restaurants. We're kind of like Yelp for startup. We I try and come up with different ways that might kind of connect. The coolest thing I've seen you do was when we were at South by Southwest. Was it a year or two ago? And we had our booth, and you called us Rotten Tomatoes for startups. <laughs> so there you yeah. go. Exactly. <laughs> we are the Rotten Tomatoes of startups. But anything Perfect. that connects with the idea of helping you find things in this market, very much like you can find things in other places. That's that's kind of what we're trying to do in a very simplistic way. That is correct. Okay. So when we say um, investing in startups these days, private markets, um, the biggest chunk of this that we spend a, a good bit of our time is equity crowdfunding. For the layman that doesn't know, what is the difference between equity crowdfunding and like venture capital or something? Sure. So basically, equity crowdfunding, or as we like to define it, the online private markets, is essentially venture capital for everyone. So up until basically four years ago in 2016, thanks to the JOBS Act, uh, unless you were a millionaire or a venture capitalist, you couldn't invest in startups and private companies. So Google and Facebook, when they were still in a garage, you couldn't invest in unless you were already really, really rich. Which is but weird because they were in a garage. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You would think they're in a garage and desperate for money. Maybe they would take it from anyone. But in fact, that was illegal. Um, but thanks to the Jobs Act, now literally anybody can invest in a startup with as little as $100 and own a small piece of equity in an up-and-coming company well before they ever actually IPO. Um, so this is our chance to all be venture capitalists. 
and invest in HP or Apple when it was in the garage. And that's really the reason to me, the, the reason that's always been there is um, you can finally get your aunt, aunt Anne to invest in your startup if you are a Steve Jobs in a garage somewhere. Like that is one of the big advantages. You can just use word of mouth and get people to invest. And I'd argue it's easier. You don't, right. you don't have to go to a scary conference room with a tie. And <laughs> <laughs> well, well, funny enough, you know, a, a couple of things on that point. One, when I started King's Crowd back in 2018, um, the first 120 some odd thousand dollars, really that first, you know, just seed funding to get us off the ground. A lot of that came from friends and family and former employees, like people that I used to work with and former uh, classmates that I went to school with that were doing well in their jobs. And all of these people were able to afford putting in 500, $1,000, $2,000. They couldn't have put in 25, 50, 100K, which used to be the minimums um, that right. startups expected when going to an angel group. But I was able to you know, take all of these small checks but I got it from 30 or 40 people that were close to me. And suddenly I was getting towards, you know, that number of hundred K plus, which is really what I needed to, to kind of get things going. Right. And I, whenever I talk to somebody about, you know, what, what the market is and what we're doing, um, I really impress upon them. Like you had to be an accredited investor to even touch us until very, very recently. That's yep. 250,000 in income verified by the IRS, a million liquid in cash and securities. Like it's a big hurdle. Like what is it? 4% or 3% of yeah, the population? Or 4% of all people are accredited. Basically nobody, right? Like that's right. the reality. And even of that three to 4%, almost 90% of that was also not investing in these markets because it was really inaccessible. It was just hard to do. It's a lot of work and effort when you don't have marketplaces to go and find all of these deals. You had to know people. Right? Like that was it. You had, you had to know, to know somebody a very small handful of people. You're No, you're absolutely right. Get in at Sequoia at the beginning or something. I don't know. The, um, yeah, it's crazy to me because like when, and the, that basically means that 97% of the American public was missing out on all the growth because we all know that, what is it? 56% of uh, jobs in America are from small and medium-sized businesses. So there's that, but that's where the growth is. That's where it was born. Um, I saw this crazy statistic one time when um, App, uh, Apple went public in like 1976. Yeah. Guess what their market cap was? $1.7 billion in the 70s. So one, that's like 8 billion, 10 billion today adjusted for inflation. So there's strike one. Like everybody missed out on that 10 billion. Right. Right. Like, you're, you're getting in so late and not that buying Apple at its IPO would have been a bad idea now, but looking back, but it's sad to me that we're all missing out on that growth and you can now invest through your IRA. You can do your forward. Like it's way, way cooler to be doing this now. It, um, and I think I, when I met you, by the way, do you remember when we first started talking about working together, I flew up to Boston on a lark. I paid $300 for my ticket and you picked me up at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> I'm door to door service. Mail order <laughs> startup, right? <laughs> um, but uh, I, it was like, it felt like Wall Street 100 years ago or something. Like, it was yeah. really cool to me what's going on with all this. It feels pretty rare that a brand new market is just born out of thin air. Um, and, you know, we know it's because of regulation and technology changes that have enabled this to exist. But the idea of it existing 10 years ago was like, 
so unbelievable. People wouldn't even imagine it would happen. And here we are 10 years later, and we have this functioning market with billions of dollars going through the system uh, on a yearly basis. It's, it's pretty incredible how far we've come in a very short period of time to kind of reinvent the asset class. And, you know, for me, there are very, very few high growth asset classes out there anymore. Um, and what's happened with the public markets, if you're paying attention, is 50% cut in the number of companies that are public now. Yeah, uh, right. from back yeah, in the yeah, sure. We show everybody, we're like, it's number just, public companies are, that's it. You it's know? fallen off drastically. And not only has the number been cut in half, but those companies are going public later and later and later. AKA, they're going public at larger valuations with less upside. Um, yeah, what was Uber valued at when it went public? Like 50 billion or something? Billions like, and billions. Yeah, and it's just hard to go only for going 50 billion to about yeah. it's like, yeah, we just want to buy how much growth is there really left in it? Yeah. And, and it's just, it's so hard to make really good money investing these stocks. Actually, a great example, Lemonade is a stock that I invested in when they IPO'd. Uh, it's a new kind of insure tech startup. But I knew Lemonade back in, you know, 2016 or whenever they were founded. And I was like, boy, I'd really love to put some money in them. And I couldn't. And clearly, they, they've gone on to become a multi-billion dollar company. I would have loved to have invested then. Yeah, imagine if I could have invested then instead of now. I would have loved to, but I literally couldn't. Uh, did you Did you have an inkling of our King's Crowd five point rating system back then that told you to invest? In yeah, exactly. Told, yeah, I was like big market, experienced founders. I like this too. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> so uh, let's, let's talk about that, because that's really what we're here to do, because we wanted to systemize and give people research on how to effectively rate these startups in these private markets, because um, I think, gosh, what was it? It was talking to the analyst team, 15, 20 companies are coming out consistently. We actually had to hire somebody else to help just describe these businesses. Um, what? Okay, so back to the elevator pitch. Um, what would you tell people about our rating system? So our rating system is essentially um, a system or a methodology to think about investing in startups um, holistically. So essentially what we, we've done is we've created a system that looks very much like what a venture capitalist does in their day-to-day -day job. We look at the market opportunity. We look at the founder's experience. We look at the terms of the deal. We look at their business model and differentiators. We look at the performance of the business. We look at all of the core factors of these businesses. Um, and we essentially benchmark how they perform on each one of these criteria against every other company that's out there available for investment. And essentially what we're trying to do is we're, we're trying to simplify the decision-making process for you when it comes to making an investment. Um, Which is huge because it's, it's a lot of work. So right now there are 462 live deals out there in the market. So how would you even, and, you, you and you're not even getting word of mouth because like with the stock market, you can talk to your buddy who's like good at investing or whatever. He's like, oh yeah, I'm in this. It's already up this, da, 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 da. Like you wouldn't even know where to begin even if you wanted to invest in these companies. <laughs> um, plus what is it? You just go to Schwab in the stock market. Whereas, um, what is it, 60 platforms that are available in the private markets right now, or is there more? I'm sure. It's, you know what, every day it's growing. So yeah, I mean, 60 plus marketplaces where you can go and find deals. You have pre-seed companies, you have seed stage companies, you have series A companies. There's just so many different factors to think about. Um, and it's, it's just time consuming. It's hard to do. A lot of people don't know what to look for because they've never invested in this asset class. It looks a lot different than public market. 
investments. It's funny, I, I know, Sean, we, we've heard this a lot is, you know, people look at the financials, they're like, oh my God, this company's in dire straits. Like, no, that's just another startup, you know, like they- No, you're yeah, supposed course, to lose money, we promise. <laughs> promise, that's okay. Jeff Bezos um, told us to. No. <laughs> it's the, it's um, the yeah. whole new world. Yeah, no, so actually on that note, um, what is the old world doing with our new world right now? Like is Goldman starting to talk about us a little bit? Like where would you say- the old guard is with the growth of these private markets. You know, it, it's funny when two years ago, you would tell people about this market, they go, oh, that's, that's a cool idea. Um, now they call yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now they call you and they, they say, hey, there's something going on here. What do we need to know? And um, I've definitely seen a huge push from some of the largest financial institutions in the country uh, and frankly, the, you know, across the globe uh, that have started calling us and started sure. looking around and saying, hey, this is the next frontier of growth for our business, right? As the public market says, they get tapped out. It's where do we go from here? And the private markets online are becoming more and more formidable and showing that they're very legitimate. And because of that, you know, they're thinking they need to get into the space sooner rather than later. So it would not surprise me if in the next three to five years, it becomes a ubiquitous asset class where people don't even think about it. They open up Robinhood and they're investing in these private equities from their brokerage account. Uh, yeah, they totally would be the first to do that. Uh, I actually remember uh, you, I was up in Boston working with you and you gave a talk and I found out that one of our investors helped found a bank up there. And now he was looking at us because these guys, they just can't stop investing and being entrepreneurial. So yeah, people are definitely starting to wake up is what I want our listeners to realize. Including um, the SEC, right? With their yeah. uh, recent regulation changes. So on that note, um, real quick. So the SEC's job is to protect investors. It was founded during the Great Recession by JFK's dad. Uh, FDR asked him to do it. And he was so good at manipulating the stock market. They're like, hey, you're really good at manipulating the stock market, John P. Kennedy. Why don't you do that? So, um, so their job is to protect investors, and that's one of the reasons why you had to be an accredited investor to invest in startups. Because it is riskier than investing in uh, for whatever right now. Um, and even though you're missing out on that growth, like it does require a little bit of research. King's Crowd is obviously trying to make that better, and we are. But nevertheless. Uh, but one of the ways that the SEC did limit the risk to the American public was limiting the amount of money you could raise in a round. Right. And so very quickly, we are on kind of a schedule here, but um, how much could people raise under what legalities back when the Jobs Act was put into effect? So there's basically two main regulations that are being utilized by startups to raise capital online from non-accredited investors. That's regulation crowdfunding, for short, Reg CF and Regulation A+. Um, regulation crowdfunding is the easiest way to raise capital from the general public. Uh, you have to go on a FINRA registered website, you have to file something called a Form C, and that includes audited financials and operating agreement, bad actor checks on some of the main owners of the business. So they really make sure um, you know, that you're not a bad actor, that you aren't going to commit fraud. Uh, and fortunately to date, there has been zero fraud in this market. So I when it was doing that, that's crazy. 
Yeah, no, the SEC actually does make an effort to make sure people are protected. And they make sure that the platforms that are hosting these deals are very legitimate. So if you're new to this market, you know, you might want to check out a netcapital.com, a wefunder.com, republic.co, startengine.com, seedinvest.com. These are some of the major marketplaces in rank CF. I remember Um, talking to those guys when we we ran like three of them at South by Southwest. And it was like, they were complaining about the regulations. Like it was... It's hard. They, they, yeah. I mean, definitely the SEC is out to protect the individual investor, which I can really appreciate. Um, and they put these marketplaces through the ringer, which is great, though, because, you know, when you're going there, you know, you can at least feel safer um, about your approach to this market. So anyway, the rule was as a company, you could raise up to a million dollars. And as an individual, it's a it's a cap of like, I believe it's somewhere around five percent of your income. I don't want to get into the exact details because they have changed and I, I don't want to say something wrong, but they basically limit how much you can invest as an individual on a yearly basis if you're not accredited. Um, but now, because there's been no fraud to date and the market has really done a very nice job uh, over the first four years of existence, it's actually been bumped up to $5 million. Um, So companies can now raise up to $5 million on a yearly basis, which is incredible because now it really becomes an effective tool, not just for seed funding for a company where they don't need as much money to just test out their ideas, but they can actually scale up and do a series A where you do need bigger dollars kind of coming into your deal. Um, And then under regulation A plus, it went from 50 million and now you can raise up to 75 million, which obviously from a growth perspective, you can do some real damage with $75 million. So the markets are heating up and the SEC is supporting its growth. Uh, by kind of, you know, flexing these rules upwards. Um, yeah, I couldn't, uh, I think it was, I think it was at our corporate Slack where I first saw the $5 million increase. And I was like, man, that's, any startup could, that's definitely less money than Amazon, Apple, Uber, like any of them had to get started with. Like that's, no, five million is significant. You can get a like, lot done with five million dollars in your bank account. <laughs> That's it's no joke. cool. Like, yeah. What? Um, so, I just saw the numbers, um, and if you want to see all of our statistics, we do. Uh, Twenty million last month was raised under just CF alone, which is yes, that's right. That's a good chunk of change. When I met you, it was way lower, like back in twenty eighteen. Um, what is the? Just give people like a bubble or just a quick five second overview. How big are each of these markets annually? Or yeah, or whatever you want. So, to so basically, under CF and A plus combined, you're looking at somewhere around three to five billion dollars being invested yearly into pre-seed through growth stage startups. Um, wow. Which, if you think about it, the venture capital industry does about $80 billion a year. So within only a four-year period of this market being born, it's already, you know, making up a significant portion. Yeah. Because that $80 billion includes like, um, oh, shoot. Uh, What's the Japanese company that invests in, uh, oh, man. uh, Yes, yes. the, The mega fund. Yeah. Like, he just throws a billion dollars at WeWork. Just, God, it's going to drive me nuts, Joe. (laughs) <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah, it is definitely, um, you know, the venture market is big, Soft but bank. this is, we, Soft Soft bank. Bank, yes. I apologize. It's not the tip of my tongue. Just, ah, anyway. Uh, definitely I, I, I typed in, I typed in WeWork investor billion dollar in Google. Uh, this is an old report too. Back, oh man, back in 2019, SoftBank had to take a $9.2 billion write-off as we were an investment a year. Ouch. Yeah. Anyway. Which, 
is a great place to say that if you're wanting to get into the startup investing world, one of the best things you can do is A, do your homework. Don't just get mixed up in the hype and the excitement where people are throwing money at a startup when they shouldn't be. Get some really good uh, ratings and research, maybe. Get some really good ratings and research and uh, don't make a WeWork move. Don't put all your eggs in one basket. So most certainly diversify and put small amounts in lots and lots of deals. And that's not me being an advisor. That's just being generally aware of how to invest in startups is put more companies in your portfolio because inevitably a bunch of them will fail, but some of them will likely hit it really big. And you want to make sure that you don't end up with tons and tons of losses in any one company. You want small losses in a bunch and huge wins in a few. For sure. Um, have you had any favorite deals since you started doing this full time? Ooh, favorite deal since I started doing this full time. So I'm a huge fintech person. Um, and so anytime I can find a deal that's kind of in the fintech space, I get really excited by it. Um, and one of those deals is Ground Floor. So the cool thing about Ground Floor is that I'm actually a customer of their service and I get to invest and own a piece of their company. Um, and Ground Floor is essentially an equity crowdfunding online private market for real estate investing. Um, and I have had amazing games. We've been product. talking about those guys for a while now. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I got to know the founder early on when he had just about started the company, when I was still writing a FinTech blog and uh, started using their product and was getting great returns. And then they did this round where I could actually partake and invest in them. So I love being an owner and ground floor. They've done an exceptionally good job of growing. Um, I believe they have a round live right now, though. I forget if it's still on Seed Invest, but uh, that's, cool that's one that I'm a fan of. What's that? Do you own any cool buildings? Uh, oh man, it's it's so they're all like home flipping loans. So I have all of these houses in like Georgia and DC and all over the map. But it's pretty you own my house. You know, my favorite deal over the last few years was that now RX. I think the whole healthcare sector is just you see these statistics, and I'm not just talking about uh, so now RX does the, the mail delivery of prescription drugs, which yeah. I don't need to go and talk to somebody, especially now during COVID, like who wants to go to CVS? But uh, no, not against CVS, because obviously they're important, but um, it just so valuable. And I think the whole industry just needs to be revolutionized for the 21st century. And it's so big, right? They're just sure. starting with such a massive antiquated market. For uh, sure. you're bringing yeah. robots and AI and all of this amazing stuff to it. And I think one of the coolest things about them is they're probably one of the, the best poster childs of this market. They started off as basically an idea on a piece of paper, raised some money via, you know, CFS did an early round. And they've gone from basically being nothing to this, you know, making tens of millions of dollars and doing their last series A at like a, you know, 60 or $80 million valuation. Um, and again, they've raised their billion in the online. beginning when they first What's that? Uh, their first CF, do you know, like, was it a five million or a 10 million? I need to look back at the data, but I think it was somewhere in the range of like eight to 10 million. And then, yeah, so last about six X since, 60. I don't know, three, four years at most, I would think. Like, yeah, not even a couple of two, years. yeah, sure, they, yeah, they moved like that's fast. really, really cool. Um, there's a few drone companies that have been cool, but yeah. Oh, what was that? Oh, man. What was that awesome engine that had the DOD loan? With Piston, yeah, they yeah. continue to raise capital. That was my favorite one last year. I talked, I talked to like Christmas parties about that one. Like that was, that was cool. Like it, 
they just reinvented the internal combustion engine to be more efficient for like, uh, what is it? You, you really need diesel engines to make electricity overseas. Like if you're in the right. army, they, that's why they got the contract. So I don't know, it's pretty cool. No, it is. And I, what it's, I think it's co-founded by, by two MIT grads. It, you know, they have like this brilliant team and it's just so cool to get to invest in all of these technology companies that again, we literally wouldn't have been able to do four years ago. It just wouldn't have been possible. For sure. Uh, so Chris, you get the last word before we close out. Um, what are the, just so people remember that if, if they take anything away from this podcast, what are the reasons why they should consider investing in startups online? Yeah. So now everyone can be a venture capitalist. Venture capital has been one of the highest growth asset classes um, that we've had over the past 15 or 20 years. And it now is being put into your hands and you have the ability to partake. You don't need a lot of money. You can start with $100. You can start with $50 sometimes. Um, a lot of these startups don't have very high minimums to get involved. Build your first portfolio, invest in five or 10 companies with $50, $100 in each one, um, and give yourself a small portfolio that might end up being an outsized portion uh, of your overall investment returns over the next 5, 10, 15 years. Um, this is a really unique opportunity. And if you use it right and you're careful and you're thoughtful about your approach, um, this is a really wonderful asset class that's being put in your hands. Uh, Chris, always a pleasure. Yes, you as well. Thanks so much, Sean. Have a great day, man. You too. Uh, and for our listeners looking ahead, we want to use this podcast to not only share our knowledge and information, but to also answer questions from the crowd. So please submit anything you'd like to know about the early stage private markets to podcast at kingscrowd.com. Once again, the email is podcast at kingscrowd.com. Uh, I am Sean O'Reilly, and until next time, have a great day.